This is Carte Blanche, the podcast. Find it now wherever you access your favorite podcasts. Daily Maverick, a solid staple for many news junkies. The team has brought us pivotal investigations on state capture, governance disasters, and climate change, among others. Naturally, the Carte Blanche crew felt there was a dream partnership just waiting to be explored. As we wrap up 2022, we look towards the new year and new content in the whole week news wrap. Masake Kana will be joined weekly by Daily Maverick Associate Editor Pharaoh Hafiji to help you keep track of a fast-changing news landscape. To whet your appetite, here's Masa and Ferial to give us a taste on what to expect. Hi, Ferial. How are you? Good, Masa. Good to be with you. I am so excited about this new venture we're getting into, bringing together two really big media houses, trusted media houses and trusted journalism through Carte Blanche and as the Daily Maverick as well. I'm very excited because a lot of the work that is covered by Daily Maverick, we always go back to also on Carte Blanche to say, hey, in case you haven't checked this out, that you check out this exclusive content that's coming out of there. And of course, with journalists who keep their fingers on the pulse, at Daily Maverick, as well as at Cod Branch. We are hoping that through this podcast, we're able to just kind of wrap the news, the weekly news. So much happens in our news in a space of a day. So a weekly wrap is something we thought would be very necessary for people and even ourselves, because it's so much to keep up with, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. So the flow of news is really fast. And I often find myself just wanting some way to make sense of what's happened for the day, for the week. And I really hope that we're going to be able to do it. The other thing that I and the Daily Maverick are very, very keen to do is to ensure that we instill hope with this podcast. So every week I'm going to try and find you news that's uplifting and that oh, makes yes. us feel um, positive and hopeful in where we live and also how we think about the world. I am so in love with that idea as well. And, you know, as you'll see in our Card Blanche lineup every Sunday, as much as we also bring you the hard-hitting news and the investigations, you know, we also try not to be just the news of doom and gloom because there are some hopeful, positive news that are going on in this country and that also needs to be highlighted too. So I'm glad you also mentioned that. We will also be bringing that too. That's lovely. Um, So I wanted to tell you a story. Um, Annually, the Daily Maverick hosts something called The Gathering. It's where we kind of take stock of the year, but also push forward into what is the short-term hold for our country and for our world. And this year, we focused it on what are solutions? Who are the new thinkers? What does the new politics look like? How do we think about a country beyond ESCOM? And I must tell you, the people who attended uh, both physically and also online were really enamored with the idea of thinking solutions. And I think that taps into a South African Um, perspective, resilience, and also a soul that always wants to make our country and I guess our world a better place. Oh, fantastic. And we always look forward to the gathering. There's always some formidable speakers there. It's like an amazing think tank that South Africans get to indulge in, thanks to the Daily Maverick as well. But Ferial, we have a very, very, I mean, you think the year is winding down. There are people who are now taking leave. 
there are people who are doing their last kind regards messages, you know, and emails. Yes. And then there are people in certain industries, hint, hint, journalism, who are gearing up for a showdown. Absolutely. So as we speak today, our team is trying to find out when accreditations will arrive for the ANC conference. We will know after that whether the ANC president and the country president Cyril Ramaphosa will get a second term as the party leader. Now, why does this matter? Because it's become a bellwether for whether that person becomes the country president as well. And I don't know about carte blanche views, but certainly for the Daily Maverick, that's the big question we get, Masa, is, is Cyril Ramaphosa going to get a second term? And I guess that's where a lot of our uh, reporting will be focused. Obviously, our nominations or the ANC nominations are showing that the former health minister, William Kize, is in this race to be ANC president. I won't say the word digital vibes if you don't. We know. And, you know, isn't this such a different Cyril Ramaphosa that's going into Nazareth when you compare it to 2017, where there was no palapala, when there was no also a digital vibes, and so much has happened and so much can happen in five years. What is he walking into? I mean, like you're saying, many viewers, many people are concerned. What does this mean? Because while you may not care much for the ANC's politics, it does give us an indication for the country's politics. Absolutely. So I remember so well the final day of that conference in 2017, almost like it was yesterday, um, (laughs) where you saw uh, the president, Cyril Ramaphosa, that we know now then he was the deputy president of the country, beaming a smile which lit up the hall as he transpired that he had won but he only won by 179 votes, Massa. And I think what we've seen in the past five years is a politics of accommodation and a president who had to keep looking at his over his shoulder or at his back to feel if there were any swords being laid into it. As we go to the eve of this conference, our country is also at stage four to six load shedding. It's been changing almost daily now. And I must say, usually the mood of South Africa from about December 16th is let's just party, let's let our hair down, etc. This time, I'm not sure about you, but I I detect a mood that's quite different because I think mm. trying to live through stage six power, power cuts as we have been doing for um, about 10 days or so now has been incredibly challenging, even for the hardiest and most resilient of South Africans. Going back to that 2017 conference and the difference that we're seeing today with that very same event, I remember saying, you know, it felt like that Nazareth conference was the Grinch that stole Christmas. The Green and the ANC was just the <laughs> Grinch because we were on tenterhooks. It was so, so tense. I mean, as you mentioned, he only won by 179 votes. It was such a close call. It was up in the air for a very long time. But now that we find ourselves in a position where we have a serious energy crisis, which he himself, the president, has said in his latest newsletter has been the biggest challenge that we have faced as a country this year. And now that he's going in with this crisis and Palapala hanging over his head, Will he be able to 
to sway the party? Will he be able to sway the branch members? Because if when he went in with somewhat of a clean, not that anybody is clean in politics, but without what we're sitting with today, he was able to scrape just enough. Now, with these dark clouds hanging over him, will he be able to scrape that? And that is the concern of the uncertainty of then what next and who is next? Absolutely, Masa. I think it's a key, key, key question. If we remember in 2017, the president, Saul Ramaphosa, very much went into that conference like a buffalo soldier, you know, um, mm. going to take it. He was going to renew the ANC. He was an extremely rich man. And the sub-narrative of that was that he was going to clean up country, clean up the party. Obviously, the Palapala scandal, as Carte Blanche has reported, has cast a buffalo shadow over his presidency. And this goes back to that day in December 2019, where a Sudanese billionaire who we don't know all that well walked onto the Palapala farm and paid cash, 580,000 US dollars in cash for 20 buffalo, which to today he has never, ever fetched. I don't think we know the full story of that, Masa. I'm not sure mm. that the Section 89 parliamentary report by Justice Sandile Ngobo, assisted by two panelists, has taken us all the way to the truth. I think that what the lawyer and two judges found is very vital understanding for the development of our democracy and the development of impeachment rules. But I don't think we quite know the truth of Palapala and about 10 more investigations will come in through 2023. So I think it's a scandal, and it has become one, is going to be with us for all of next year. The unfortunate thing here, Feral, is that, like you're saying, we do not know the full extent of what happened with Palapala. And there are, I mean, as Section 89 parliamentary report indicated, there are questions that need to be answered for. That being said, prior to this, we have seen candidates, ANC presidents, go up and being nominated with serious allegations and charges against them. Here we have a president, a sitting president, who has answers that he needs to answer to, questions he needs to answer to. But this is the preliminary phase. It's still the initial phase of this whole saga. But this whole saga could now become the buffalo's Achilles heel. Absolutely, Masa. I do think, and I've been watching numbers extremely carefully this year, this is the last time that an ANC conference is going to have us on such tenterhooks because it's an indicator of what's going to happen to the country. Um, I'll put my head on a block here and say that I think by 2024, the ANC will stop being the majority party in the country. And at that election, it's going to have to strike coalitions. So in that sense, this is an important conference for the party. Mm. But three sets of polls, one by Ipsos, another by the Rivonia Circle, um, and a third one by an analysis of the Ipsos poll by the Inclusive Society Institute, all three have shown that the ANC is likely to get anywhere between 40 to 48% of votes cast in 2024, um, which takes away its majority that it has enjoyed since 1994. So in that sense, it's make or break for the party. And I think for that reason, you're going to see President Sol Ramaphosa putting in quite a good 
approach showing where it ends up, I don't think we can say at this point. Mm. And I mean, if our local politics are anything to go by, it's definitely heading towards coalitions. And this majority governing party has been losing support year on year with each election. But Feriel, if we are looking at polls saying 40 to 48 percent votes for the ANC, you know, from 2024 onwards, what would those numbers look like without a Cyril Ramaphosa leading the party? And again, I'd like to say that, you know, we're stuck in a situation in politics globally, but also in South Africa where, you know, all the apples seem to be rotten and it's about which one is more rotten. So if we do not have a Cyril Ramaphosa emerging victorious out of this conference in Nazareth, going into the 2024 elections, can we safely say that the ANC would still get a 40 to 48%, which is still far less than what they would have wanted or what they've enjoyed over the past few elections? I do think that, again, Data shows us that President Sol Ramaphosa, and I'm not sure how it's looking post-Palapala scandal, is about 8 to 10 percentage points more popular than his party. So I don't know if you can make an automatic subtraction that way to say this is what the ANC would get if he wasn't on top of those election posters. But I do think after the ANC conference in December 2022, we are going to see the rise of Paul Mashatile, a former Gauteng Premier and a super powerful person who is now effectively controlling three of the top six positions in the ANC. Um, I've been watching very carefully how his key spokesperson, Keith Causa, and his other advisors, they've been really working the rounds. You know, they've been in the Bloomberg newsroom to do a live interview. Various business people are starting to talk up his game. So I do think that as a country, he's somebody we should keep an eye on. And because I think he realizes how those numbers are looking, he has started early talks with parties whom the ANC might seek coalitions with um, come 2024. Can we discuss the re-emergence of Paul Mashadile? Paul Mashadile, who was the premier and also did not have the cleanest reputation either, and him coming back into the fray because he has been relatively quiet. Now, for people who are wondering where he's been, where his politics stand now, what does that look like if business is also already showing interest in speaking to him? So um, Paul Mashtile has always been an enormous power broker in the ANC Massa. In 2017, he clinched the deal for President Cyril Ramaphosa by, by getting the deputy president, David Mabuza, on side. So he's always been that strategist, that tactician. Mm-hmm. And I think at 62 years old or, or thereabouts, he's decided it's now or never. And he really, really wants to be president. So after Ramaphosa, he he has gotten the highest number of branch nominations. And in the ANC world, those branch nominations at this point are the vital thing. So I do think that as we tally winners and losers out of this ANC 2022 conference, he's going to be right up there as one of the characters who come out with the highest score for playing the game so very well. What do you make of, you know, pre-election year? 2023 is going to be very important. As we're seeing, there's going to be a lot of leaks as well. There's going to be a lot of throwing mud and throwing out old skeletons as well. What should we prepare for? Because many have also asked the question, 
regarding Palapala that why now? And when you look at the timing of what's happened, you know, this week and what's happening next year, it's quite telling. Can we look forward to more of these leaks? And what will that look like for our politics? We are dealing with load shedding just coming out of a pandemic where we're trying to resuscitate our economy. And it seems like we've got an uncertainty in terms of our political leadership as well. So I think 2023, Masa, is going to be a kind of belt yourself in kind of year for our country. But I do want to chat about certain green shoots that I've seen. I'm really interested that in the same week where we are seeing the ANC almost tearing itself apart, you also see two young people who've put up their hands and say, we want to lead. So Musi Maimani, the former head of the official opposition, Democratic Alliance, he's he's launching his own party called BOSA, Build One South Africa, this week. And then you've seen Songhezo Zibi of the Rabonia Circle, who in his book says, I want to be president of our country, also putting up his hand. And I see many, many young people saying, right, it's our turn. We actually know how to do this governing thing better. Watching them extremely carefully. And then also the way that civil society is really rising to the occasion. I think 2023 is going to demand of all of us that we be extremely active citizens. Because as you said, I don't really think that party politics is cutting it that well for us any longer. And for me, my own lesson going into next year is I will be active in my ward, wherever we can be, keeping a watch over what happens at ESCOM, what happens at the National Prosecuting Authority, because these things are vital for the well-being of our country and for its future. You know, when you mentioned the emergence of young people saying, you know what, it's okay, we will put our hands up, we want to lead as well. This is what we've been asking for. This is what the country has been saying, that, you know what, out with the old, in with the new, you know, let young people come forward. Let's let the best people for the job to come in. And when we speak of the likes of, for instance, Songye Zozibi, who is, you know, respected in his industry and is a respectable member of society. We're moving in a dimension where we're not looking at what political party does he stand for, but what does he stand for? And that is very encouraging to know that this space is also growing, that people don't necessarily feel that they need to go through those ranks. And we've seen in the reports that we do that young people are thirsty and young people have solutions. I would much rather something young and fresh as opposed to what we're dealing with right now and the uncertainty that it comes with. When we look at the story that we covered on Carte Blanche yesterday regarding firearms control, for instance, that over 300 million rands has been spent to digitize this And it still hasn't been, and it's still been a manual system. That corruption has gotten so bad that we just need a generation that is firstly tech savvy and will be able to do those things, but has the will and the integrity to do those things as well. So it's very exciting, but I'm personally quite concerned because I don't know what an ANC loss will look like on the ground. And the hint that I have is if you remember when the ANC announced their mayoral candidates for the 2016 local elections and Togo Titiza was announced as the mayoral candidate for the city of Swani. And that night, the city of Swani, parts of it were burnt. That the ANC in some sects does not know how to lose. 
And like we've seen in the Western Cape, once they lose power, they struggle to become a strong opposition and they struggle to get it back. So when we go into these coalition governments, which is ideal, and what is the writings on the wall, how will that affect ordinary people on the ground? Will we see July riots like we did when some people didn't get what they wanted and the law took its course and Jacob Zuma went to jail? Will we see a nasty spat on our streets is what I also fear. I think that's a very real fear. You know, July 2021, the loss of lives, the loss of livelihoods was unprecedented in our country. The president called it a failed insurrection. On the other hand, though, I guess because I watch cities so carefully, the ANC has given up power. And I think it does come down to the fact that we have strong institutions. But I don't doubt that 2023 and 2024, they're going to pose real challenges for our country. And they're going to mean that democratic citizens must generally be on their toes to ensure that our country doesn't experience the violence which it has done. But I'd also argue that we have quite a good recent history with the governing party giving up power. And also we one of the few post-colonial African democracies that by 2024 could be on to its fifth president, if my calculations are correct. So we don't have that history of strong men holding on to power. We have developed a different tradition, which I hope can only serve us well. One thing I am beginning to watch very carefully is that often for the ANC, losing an election is about losing the livelihoods for tens of thousands of people because of cadre deployment. They are in the state, employed in the state. So once people are threatened with losing their jobs, you don't know where that can go, which is why I think the other obvious uh, requirement is that you see economic growth so that people don't only have government jobs to look out to, that they have other places where they can flourish. And so what Sungezo Zibi, for example, his offer is that professionals must take their places, run important institutions, take mm. their roles as directors general and improve our policy making and execution so that our economy does grow. And I must say, I enjoy the messages of of young people who are saying, come on, it's our turn now. You know, these yes. the old guys must, must retire, not in an ageist way, but I do think it's time for a new generation. And just before we close, just on yes. that point that Sonia Zong was mentioning, that professionals should be taking up these positions, which 100% I agree with. And yes. it goes to a story that the Daily Maverick has been covering quite extensively about the JRA CEO and his fake qualifications and fake mentor and, and, and. That if we had, for instance, I mean, we've seen the state of the roads in Johannesburg, and that is for an array of reasons. But for instance, if we had a leadership, a CEO that at least did not lie about his qualifications and knew what they were doing, like to singles this point, to have the right people, the professionals there to do these jobs that are now sometimes just for cater deployment, what a better position we'd be in. The state of our roads in Johannesburg would probably be looking much better, despite Absolutely. the rains. Absolutely, must say, you know, I, I I cover roads obsessively. I'm a Pottles correspondent at the at the Daily Maverick now, <laughs> um, and I must say, after I wrote the story of this CEO with his fake doctorate and his non-existent master's degree, so many engineers 
Many of them young are so keen to do their job and to do it well because they know how important the city's roads are. So I don't think that there is a lack of talent and a lack of willingness. We just need to be able to tap into that. 100%. And the more we expose these ills, hopefully the right people, the right engineers, the right professionals will be appointed to these key positions. Absolutely. So I want to end, if I may, with two bits of good news, because... (laughs) Please, we need them. Morocco, Morocco, Morocco. Morocco, Morocco. Great. And then I've been looking at the Forbes list of influential women in the world, and three African women made it onto that. I think it should be more, but still we must celebrate. Celebrate. Konjo Iwiala of the WTO, um, Samia Suluhu, the Tanzanian president, and then also the Nigerian media mogul Mo Abudu. I loved reading their stories, loved seeing them on that list. Oh, fantastic. And you know what? As you're saying, there should be more, but these three definitely need their flowers and to be celebrated. It's a win for all of us. Absolutely. I loved reading their stories. Well, I'll certainly make sure I go and check that out too, because we do need some inspirational and hopeful and positive news. We do. I think that's for the lifeblood of human beings. We need hope. Well, Feriel, I am looking forward to more of these chats, more of these podcasts that we're going to be collaborating with Daily Maverick. This has been so interesting for me as well. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly keen to get this series going. Good luck with the conference. Thank you very much. Am I going to see you there or are you taking well-deserved break already? And you know what? I took my lesson from the last one <laughs> and I am taking um, I a well-deserved break. <laughs> Good for you. Thank you very much. Have a great time. Thanks. See you soon. Find Car the podcast with new episodes uploaded weekdays on all major podcast platforms. Unique stories, unique perspectives, wherever you go.